This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. What's good, everybody? You got Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons in for Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. Tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. I'm going to tell you a quote about a play in the NBA. I'm going to read it word for word. This guy does so much for his team at both ends of the court. We've rarely seen it in the history of the league, end quote. The guy that was talked about that way is Giannis Antetokounmpo because according to Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider and analyst, he has his MVP vote right now. We're going to talk about that and much, much more as he joins us here on Canty and Carlin. A lot of people have Nikola Jokic as the front runner to make it back-to-back-to-back MVPs, Brian. What is it about Giannis that has you having him above him? Yeah, I mean, in the straw poll that uh, Tim Bontemps from our staff did amongst the MVP voters a couple of weeks ago, Jokic had a huge lead. And I think it would be fair to project him right now as the guy who's going to win it. But I voted for Giannis, and it's nothing against Jokic. It's just that what Giannis has done this year at both ends of the court, okay, his, his, the impact that he makes defensively, and then what he's done for that team, I mean, that team has not really been a whole much of the year. Even now, Chris Middleton is not playing in back-to-backs, and he's got a such a limited minute restriction as they protect his knee that he's only playing like 20, 25 minutes off the bench. And yet there they are. Basically, they walked down the Boston Celtics because they haven't lost in like six weeks. And they are so formidable, and they've they've ratcheted up. They got Jay Crowder and Joe Ingles, who was their offseason pickup, who's gotten healthier and healthier as he's gotten off an ACL injury. They're, they're sort of getting better. And Giannis is in the center of all of it. And he's playing hurt, guys. He's been banged up on both knees. He's got this wrist-slash-thumb injury that he probably should have taken some time off, and he didn't. Just kept playing, and he keeps putting up great numbers and doesn't complain about anything. They've won 16 straight. What's the last thing that you've done for 16 consecutive days <laughs> that was like not essential? That you, you're like, you're, that this was impressive that I did this because <sighs> that's amazing for them to win. I mean, I don't care what I don't care what sport, hockey, baseball, basketball. You win 16 straight. That's amazing. Yeah, and if you look at the history of teams that do that, most of them are pretty end up with, right. with pretty good postseasons. <laughs> and they've had, they've had a bunch of good wins in there. They've had a bunch of good wins in there. And look, last year, if Middleton doesn't get hurt in the first round, I think they win the title. And that's not taking anything away from the Warriors, but they lost in seven to Boston, basically because Giannis ran out of gas. And... You know, they are maybe an injury away from being the two-time defending champs Mm. on a 16-game win streak. Keep that in mind. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider, joining us on Canty and Carlin with Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Freddie Coleman. You were there last night for Kevin Durant's debut. As I, we, Everybody's calling him now the chameleon because you can just put him in, plug and play. He can just make it work with anybody. I know it's the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, they're beat up from the feet up. But what is it about Kevin Durant that no matter where he is, it's always easy to assimilate and acclimate himself and get everybody on the right page. You know, Freddie, I covered Durant in the finals when he was with the Thunder. I covered Durant when he was winning the titles with the Warriors. I covered Durant when he was, uh, you know, trying to figure out in Brooklyn. I covered Durant with Team USA when they're winning the gold medal. And now I'm covering him wearing a son's uniform, and it's exactly the same. Hmm. Pulling up from 18 to 20 feet, nobody can defend it, splashing shots. 
And, you know, this marriage with Devin Booker makes so much more basketball sense than the one with Kyrie Irving. I never understood the decision to go with Kyrie. And I listened to the explanation about how they both had sort of won titles with players that, you know, they didn't get the full credit for and they kind of felt a kinship of that and all that. Fine. But that never made sense to me. The Booker partnership makes so much sense. They are both true lovers of basketball. They are generally no-nonsense guys. Booker is a better on-court fit for him because it applies so much pressure to the defense. And Guys, they're excited about it. Now, I know that they played the Hornets, okay? I don't, I, want, I don't want to focus too much on the game. The Hornets are one of the worst teams in the league, and they lost LaMelo this week. And it was 11 nothing before people's backsides were warm in the seats. It wasn't much of a game. <laughs> but, guys, I'm telling you, being around the team this last week, Booker, who's, who, who, who likes to give like nine-word answers and you know, not really give emotion, he can't hold his smile in. You know, Durant last night after the game, his eyes were lit up. He was just really into it because they know what this can be. And unlike the Kyrie-Luka pairing where we're really not sure how long it's going to last, don't judge this Suns team with what they've got now. This is going to be a multiple-year thing. And I know Durant's in his mid-30s, but I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. The Suns are going to get some time to put some other pieces around. They have a new owner now who's willing to spend money. They got a puncher's chance this year, but this is not just about this year. So, Wendy, having said all of that, if you had to go and place your hard-earned money on one team to come out of the West, who would it be on? It would be on the Warriors if they get their healthy team because – I know that they haven't had it, and uh, Steph is, uh, you know, be coming back here from this leg injury in the next few days. And, um, you know, Wiggins is away with personal issues. They still don't have their whole team. But when they've had their whole team this year, the numbers demonstrate that it's still the best lineup. And, you know, they've kind of, because the Mavericks have gone in reverse, they just, you know, they're waking up here in fifth place. Yeah. Uh, with Steph coming back. It's not like they're looking – when he left, they were in the play-in. They've advanced. And I guess it's partially because the teams in front of them have struggled. The Clippers signed Westbrook and have gone backwards. So um, they're in a a good position potentially even to get home court in the first round, which, you know, their road record is what you would circle and say, boy, that's problematic. Their defense is problematic. But when those guys have been together, they've been impressive. So – the Denver fans are very sensitive that no one's respecting them, and, and I get that. They have a very, very good team. They impress me a lot. But I would rather ride with the defending champs if they're healthy in this situation where it's all muddled and everybody's so close together. Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA reporter, also host of the Hoop Collective podcast. Hit him on Twitter at Winhorst ESPN, joining Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We know that those two teams are the top of the East when it comes to Boston and Milwaukee. The West is just a minefield, no matter who you take, who you like, who you don't like. But there's that team called the Philadelphia 76ers. If they're not able to get to the NBA Finals, if they can't even get out of second round, what does it mean for the future of James Harden? Yeah, so the Harden situation and the Kyrie situation are both kind of the same in a way. Obviously, it is very out there that the Rockets are interested in in reuniting with James Harden. 
that only benefits Harden because last summer, guys, I know that ultimately Harden took a pay cut and they were able to sign some more players and it really helped them. It, this is the best team Joel Embiid's had, in my opinion, and it's in large part because Harden took that pay cut and allowed them to make some moves to strengthen the team. But the other part of it was they weren't given Harden the five-year $200 million max. I don't think they were giving him a four-year max. Hmm. So they basically said, let's, let's you know, add some time here and see how this works out. So they're going to have to make a big decision on Harden. Even if they you know, make the finals or whatever, they're still going to have a decision on Harden. Do they want to invest in a guy who has, you know, frankly, not played his best the last couple of years, although he's been much better this year than last year? Um, do you want to do that? You know, Harden kind of got out of shape and lost focus. He's been playing hard this year and focused, I think, because he's on a one-year contract. Mm -hmm. Do you want to then give the guy a huge deal? And so the Rockets act like a, a leveraging point. And the, the, the truth is, how do the Rockets possibly know what they're going to do until they see the lottery? If they win the lottery and they get Victor Wembanyama, that's going to be their whole focus. And I don't even know if you want Harden in there with Wembenyama. That's two different time frames. Let's say they finish second in the lottery and they get Scoot Henderson, and that's their potential point guard for the future for the next 15 years. Do you want Harden in there? Like, I mean, like, of, I get why it's being discussed, but I don't think the Rockets can make that decision just yet. So I think that's something you should keep in mind as we see that situation play out. I'm also trying to hit the lottery, but it's a different one. Brian Windhorst here with us, <laughs> NBA Insider, here on ESPN Radio. I, you won't, my phone, I won't pick up my phone, so you can keep calling. <laughs> I've told Freddie for years, if I hit it, I won't be there the next day. I promise you. Yeah. I'll still call games, but I that's about it. Hey, latest on LeBron, what are you hearing? So this is not a three-week injury. It's a longer mm -hmm. injury. And so when they reevaluate in three weeks, doesn't mean play in three weeks. And when they reevaluate them, it will be reevaluating the team, too, and where they're at. So they're in 11th place right now. They have a favorable schedule, which is one of the reasons why a couple of days ago Darvin Ham was talking about the sixth seed. It wasn't crazy to talk about that with their schedule. I think they play eight of the next 10 or eight, eight of the, nine of the next 12 at home. But it, but looking at it now without LeBron, it's really hard for me to figure out how many wins are going to be in there. Yeah, because there's a lot of games that could go either way, and and now Anthony Davis is back to not playing back to backs because um, they're worried about the the stress reaction on his foot. It's just not working out for them, and um, you know this is now four out of five years that that he's been a Laker that LeBron had a significant injury. Um, and, you know, two of the four years, he hasn't been able to finish the season. Uh, they shut him down because they were out of the playoffs. And uh, two years ago, they brought him back after he missed like 20-something games with a sprained ankle and shouldn't have. And he kind of played at like 70% and they lost in the first round. So, like, this is just the reality. LeBron is not invincible anymore. He takes injuries, which is why... Going with Russell Westbrook for 50 games, and not just Westbrook, but that whole alignment with that team is such a is such a penalty. They can't survive an injury to LeBron right now because of how poorly they played in those first, you know, f four months of the season. He's always a great follow on Twitter at Windhorse ESPN. Always a pleasure having my man Brian Windhorse, not only an ESPN NBA reporter, but also the host of the Hoop Collective podcast. Always great to catch up with him on Canty and Carlin. Keep the great work, Wendy, and we'll talk to you soon, my man. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. Yeah, great stuff by Brian Windhorse. He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Freddie Coleman on Canty and Carlin. We go to the National Football League, and it's one thing for the GM to say something, but when a player claps back and deletes his tweet, it becomes a whole different matter. We'll get to that after we hear from Wendy. It's time for Ian to tell you about Wendy's.
Man, I love me some Wendy's now, especially for six bucks. When you want the best deal on the best meal, choose Wendy's two for six bucks. Now you can pick two from some of Wendy's best menu items, including the Dave single. Come on with it. Made only with always fresh, never frozen beef, the spicy chicken sandwich, dominated, 10-piece crispy nugs, or a medium strawberry lemonade. Pair any two for just six bucks. That's a Dave single and spicy chicken sandwich, six bucks. Spicy chicken sandwich, medium strawberry lemonade, six bucks. Strawberry lemonade with a 10-piece nugs, six bucks. Even a Dave single with another Dave single. Tired of hearing, hearing me say it? That's right, only <laughs> six bucks. Wendy's two for six bucks is one deal that lets you pick the meal you want at a price you want. Swing by Wendy's today, get the best deal in fast food. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's two for, say it six. with me, six, six bucks. bucks. For a limited time, price and petition. Price and participation may vary. I'm hungry at U.S. <laughs> US Wendy's. A la carte only single item at regular price. Now that we're all hungry for sandwiches here on Canty and Carlin, oh, you got Ian Simmons and Freddie Coleman together on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app. Series so XM Channel 80. Tune in and tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Let us know if you think Lamar Jackson is going to be back to Baltimore Ravens. Hit us up at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. A minefield happened that involved him but did not involve him, and it got started at the NFL Combine. Baltimore Ravens. GM Eric DaCosta talked about evaluating wide receivers in this draft class, all about trying to make sure that Sean, excuse me, that Lamar Jackson does not go anywhere. I would say a lot of people would say the same thing. It's a challenging position to evaluate in different ways. Um, I don't have a, if I had an answer, that means I would probably have some better receivers, I guess. Um, we keep oh. trying. You know, I think there's a lot of things that go along with that position. Sometimes it's, it is tied to the quarterback. Um, and I think it's tied to things like durability. It's tied to, you know, a lot of things. Um, we're going to keep swinging, you know. Uh, there have been some guys that, you know, have been successful players for us that were draft picks. Uh, we've never really hit on that all-pro type of guy, which is disappointing, I would say. But it's not for lack of effort. We believe in what we do. We believe in our scouting. We believe in the system that we have, the scouting system that we have. Um, it's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say we're not going to stop trying. We're going to keep trying. I think we've drafted, I don't know, Chad would probably know, but probably at least five or six receivers in the last four years, maybe. Um, we're going to just keep swinging. And, and hopefully at one of these points, we'll hit the ball out of the park. One of those receivers that he drafted did not like that. And his name's Rashad Bateman. His response on social media before he deleted the tweet 30 minutes later. How about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight, meaning Lamar Jackson, that's his number. Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happened. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lining capping on players for no reason, end quote. Then you had Hollywood Brown, you know, tweeting back after Rashad Bateman said that. Remember, Hollywood Brown was a first-round pick mm-hmm. by the Baltimore Ravens out of Oklahoma, where Kyler Murray was his teammate and quarterback at Oklahoma. Hollywood Brown talks to Kyler Murray. They, they kind of, behind the scenes, help negotiate a trade from Baltimore to Arizona. Hollywood Brown tweets back at Bateman, let him cook. Then, mm-hmm. about 30 minutes later, Bateman has deleted the tweet. Ten minutes after that, tweets out, my apologies, with an emoji of two people <laughs> hugging. 
What was the benefit of Rashad Bateman clapping back at his general manager? Getting the benefit, attention? I can tell you, was <laughs> nothing. It was no, There was nothing positive that came from it. Handle that behind the scenes. There's no point putting that out there uh, for everyone to digest. It, it's not going to be beneficial for you. But I'll also say this, Terry DaCosta, I know you're in the moment, but when you say, if I had an answer, when, when it posed the question about wideout, we would have had a better. We would have had better receivers, I guess. Yeah, that's going to hack off of your entire receiving room. So, should he have phrased it that way? I mean, he's a GM; he can, but I would yeah. not have. Yeah. But Bateman going out and taking to Twitter, Herm Edwards gave you the best advice for anybody in the public eye, not just athletes, not just football players, or bas- anyone in the public eye. Don't. Push, send. Thank you, Coach. Because the benefit for Rashad Bateman, there was no positive from sending that out, in my opinion, Freddie. Yeah, there was no positive by him clapping back that way, but there also was no positive by Eric DaCosta really shaming yeah. wide receivers, saying that, you know, I guess when it comes to wide receivers, you kind of need those guys to help out a guy to stay there when it comes to number eight. And Lamar Jackson. So the minute that you laid that groundwork as a general manager, what did you think the reaction was going to be? Yeah, Rashad Bateman didn't need to make it public with his displeasure. But hey, Eric DaCosta, you didn't need to make that public either. Ian, I go back to what you said. You're a general manager. You know what to say. Sometimes close your damn mouth. If somebody asks you a question, hey, you know, we're still it's about, we're evaluating wide receivers. We're hoping to get some guys where we can be the kind of offense that we believe we can be with a quarterback we hope is going to be there. You don't need to go to Oral Communications 101 to say that or have that in your mind. Instead, he's putting the blame on somebody else, saying, I guess. Well, if I'm Rashad Bateman, I'd have felt some kind of way about that too. Both of these guys should have kept their mouth shut. You don't make it public if you're Eric DaCosta about evaluating wide receivers and then you're shading guys in your football team and you're Rashad Bateman, don't go down that rabbit hole because nobody benefits from this in Baltimore because the main focus is you got to keep number eight when it comes to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, oh, wide receiver feuding with the general manager? Why do I need to stick around for this nonsense if this is going to be part of my future with the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, and uh, to your point about DaCosta, we always ask for people to be honest. So I, I appreciate the honesty. I really do. I mean, he was brutally honest. Sometimes and Hollywood, you, Brown, yeah. Hollywood Brown was what an eleven hundred yard receiver in right. Baltimore. Right, he wasn't chopped liver. Right, hey Bateman. Exactly. The other part is the, the the man who sent out the text of Rashad Bateman, a first round pick that Eric DaCosta drafted. Mm-hmm. And that means you got paid a lot of money. Yeah, stay on the field. He's I, been hurt. I get it throughout his entire career yeah. so far. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But hey, if you're Eric DaCosta, that whole thing could have been avoided by not shading somebody. Mm-hmm. At the expense of evaluating wide receivers to make your offense a lot better than it's been the last couple of years, whether you keep number eight or not. Ian Fitzsimmons, Freddie coming together, and Canty and Carlin, we switch gears from the NFL to college basketball. Can the Jayhawks make it rock chalk back-to-back Jayhawk? We'll talk about that next on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. It is Canty and Carlin. Got Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons in for the guys today on on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Is Kansas about to do it again with an entirely different team compared to last year's team won a national championship in the nation's best conference? We're getting closer and closer to Selection Sunday. It is literally 10 days away. Let's bring our man Chris Patola. Always does a great job as an ESPN college basketball analyst. By the way, he'll be part of the Big 12 tournament. Hit him on Twitter, Chris underscore Spatola. Chris, I'm starting right there with Kansas, an entirely different team from last year, yet they're going to be a number one seed. How has Bill Self been able to do that in a short amount of time and transfer portal college basketball and have his team right where they are again? Yeah, it's a great question, Freddie. First of all, he's a hell of a coach, Hall of Famer for a reason, and as you guys know, coaching matters. Um, I, I, I think he's I mean, certainly in the top five of guys doing it now, and, and I would I would make a re- – there's a reasonable argument to be made. He's the best doing it, and, and it's exactly what you're talking about, an entirely different roster. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was on that, that Duke staff, Freddie, in 2010 that won a national championship, and we came back the next season with a team that had two guys back from the team that won the national championship in Nolan Smith and Kyle Singler, and then we added a very talented freshman – and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Similar vibes with this Kansas team. They bring back two guys who have that DNA from that championship last year and Dewan Harris and Jalen Wilson, and they, they added a very talented freshman in Grady Dick. The problem with our team in 2011, A, we didn't have the continuity with Kyrie. Obviously, he got hurt that year. Um, but that team did not defend. It didn't defend nearly as well as the team we had in 2010. I think the thing with this group this year, Freddie, is is they are starting to play much better defensively. They have always been a team that uh, this season could could get after you offensively. Jalen Wilson really carried that offense early in the year, but they're starting to get a lot more balanced. Dewan Harris is scoring more. Kevin McCullough is starting to get into the into the picture here, but they have really started to defend. I mean, I, I had their game over the weekend against West Virginia, where they they won that game on the final possession, needing a defensive stop. The game prior to that, they beat TCU on the road, needing a defensive stop at the end of the game. So they've got, you know, it's a mix, Freddie. They've got two guys back from last year uh, who are terrific players. They got a talented freshman, and then they, you mentioned the portal. They get a Kevin McCullough from Texas Tech to transfer in, who's really added uh, just a nice little versatile dimension uh, specifically to their their offense, so uh, to their defense rather. So you know, I I was talking to Bill Self about it the other day, and he said, "Look, tactically, skill wise, we're still you know trending up, but from a competitive perspective, this team is every bit as competitive and is is as tough as the team we had the year prior." Coach, stay with the Big 12. And Freddie and I have talked about this a ton. I mean, we, we believe it. that is the deepest and best conference in all of college basketball. Does the grind of, of this conference, where, hell, man, what, over half the conference is ranked, <laughs> help or hurt 
teams going into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it helps this group. And I, I tell you, there's a, there's a couple reasons. First of all, um, it's an old league. Yes. Like, you could go down the – like, I don't know how many lottery picks the Big 12 has. I, I certainly think the SEC has more. Um, I, think, I think the ACC has a collection. Like, it's an old league. And, I mean, you're talking 23, 24. There's a 25-year-old in that league. And so I think the grind of the league does not have – as many diminishing effects as you might with some of these younger rosters in other leagues. The other thing about this league this year, it is very guard dominant. Like the guard play in that league this year is phenomenal. And I think in order to win in March, you've got to have quality guard play. You've got to have quality backcourt play. And so I think that's where this league has really cornered the market. I mean, you've been tested um, on a, every single night, you know, you, you, and, and by the way, much like the NCAA tournament, that league plays that Saturday, Monday, Tuesday schedule where you're, you're playing on a Saturday and you got to have a short memory to turn around and to be able to win again or play again, at least on a Monday or a Tuesday. The, the, the one question I have, and I had it last year and it didn't really affect the league because the league performed well last year in the NCAA tournament that league is officiated differently than any other league that I, I watch. And the, the question becomes, can the teams in that league go from a very physical, a lot of stuff that's let go in that league, can it adjust to different officiating in the NCAA tournament? Again, the league was able to do it last year, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the only real concern I have about the Big 12 is going from a very physical brand of basketball to potentially an NCAA tournament where you could play a one-off game where it's not quite as physical. Great stuff by Chris Spatola, ESPN College basketball analyst. Hit him on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. Joining Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons on Canty and Carlin and ESPN Radio. Houston, they'll be a number one seed. Alabama, you the Brandon Miller situation, they're going to be a number one seed. Kansas, they'll be a number one seed. I'll give you the choice of UCLA, Purdue, or Marquette. Who gets the final number one seed? Man, well, we got a big game tonight. I, I would probably say UCLA. And I think UCLA is playing the best, not necessarily better than Marquette. I think UCLA collectively is better. And I think UCLA is certainly playing better than Purdue. I think Purdue's hit a bit of a wall here, Freddie. I yeah. think, you know, Edie has not hit a wall. But, but the secret in the sauce with Purdue earlier in the season is those other guys around him, you had to respect those guys. And I think what teams have done is teams have said, look, Edie's going to get his numbers. Edie's dominant. But we're not going to let these other guys hurt us. And I think that backcourt for, for Purdue in particular has, has hit a bit of a wall. I like Marquette. I think their guard plays fantastic. Absolutely. I just don't think they have the collective DNA. Remember, you've got some guys on this, this UCLA team that played in a Final Four. You've got some guys on this UCLA team. There's a toughness to that group. There's a Mick Cronin toughness DNA they're good defensively. I think they – last I looked, Freddie, they were, I think, a top-two defense. I think they were the, the number-two defense on Ken Palm the last I checked. And they're obviously offensively competent. So, um, look, I, I reserve judgment because, as we know, in this, this day and age in college basketball, teams can lose. But if uh, I don't see them losing that game against Arizona State tonight, and, uh, and they play it at home, by the way. Um, and so I would – to answer your question directly, I, I think it's probably UCLA. 
Give us a, a a sleeper or two, maybe not Final Four, but teams that you've seen this year going, you know what, this group has got the, the, the upperclassmen leadership to make a run that not a lot of people are looking at. Well, I'll, I'll give you one from the Big 12, TCU. I had them mm-hmm. last night against Texas. Mm-hmm. And remember, guys, they got screwed last year in the Sweet 16 yep, uh, yep. against Arizona. They did. And and to be honest with you, they handled it really well in the aftermath. Like, handled the press conference really, really well. And I, I think it set them up going into this season. They have everybody back from that team. And I think they took a little bit of a dip in the Big 12 schedule because they were playing. I know you guys know, but for people who don't, they were playing without the preseason player of the year in that league because he was hurt in Mike Miles. That team is grizzled. They are tough. They defend the heck out of you. And, and they have a great individual scorer in miles. And so they don't shoot it well. That's the only concern with TCU. They don't shoot it real well. But, but that team, I'm telling you, is, is terrific. And then I'll give you a team out of the ACC. The ACC, you know, is, is getting – they have earned their reputation. I'm not getting on board with the coaches in that league. They have earned their reputation. But a team out of that league – and by the way, the league played well in the NCAA tournament last year – a team that made the Elite Eight last year and was up double figures going into the second half against Kansas was Miami. Look out for Miami, a team that, again, has an NCAA tournament DNA from, their, from the way they played last year. They brought everybody back. They got a guy in the portal in Nigel Pack from Kansas State who's been a really nice addition for them. They got a guy up front in Norchad O'Meara, again, out of the transfer portal who's been very good for them. So I know it's two power five teams, but I think two teams that people might be sleeping on that they might remember from the NCAA tournament last year that I'm here to tell you they got everybody back. And as, as you know, this thing gets moved into the postseason, I think both those teams could make runs. It's going to be fantastic. It's a Big 12 tournament. I'm at Chris Patola. will be all over the coverage for that next week on ESPN and ESPN2. Always does a fantastic job as an ESPN college basketball analyst. And hit him on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. Joining Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons on Canty and Carlin. Always appreciate you, Chris. Uh, thanks so much. Have a great week next week in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, two of my favorites. Thanks, boys. Uh, be well. Yeah, no doubt See about coach. that. I'll give you another team real quick. Creighton out of the Big East. Keep an eye on them. Healthy now. They got Nimhart at the guard spot. Calc Brun is healthy as well. That's another team that Ian is really sneaky that could have a sweet 16 kind of run because Greg McDermott can coach in the tournament. His TCU pick. Mike Miles yes. being back means oh, everything. Oh, dude. Means everything Come to them. Oh, yeah. man. It's a different team. Yeah. And what they did, beating Texas last night, 75 73, yeah. impressive. No doubt about that. Ian Fitzsimmons, Freddie Coleman, and Canty and Carlin. Two sports are doing everything they can to make sure your enjoyment is going to be a lot better and a lot quicker. We'll get to that next on ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. College football is determined to make the game better for the fan and speedier. With Ian Fitzsimmons, I'm Freddie Coleman on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, and tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. The rule changes under consideration of college football in 2023 include running the clock after a first down when it's awarded, except in the last two minutes of either half, eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive timeouts, and any fouls that happen will be carried over to the next period instead of finishing with an untimed down. Steve Shaw, the NCAA football secretary, rules editor, and officials coordinator, he told ESPN Ian on Tuesday that the combined changes are estimated to shorten average length of gains by seven to eight minutes and by eight plays. It'll be bigger than that. Oh, you think it'll be more than that? Okay. Yeah, yeah me, meaning just, just stopping the oh, – look, the number one that has to happen is every time you get a first down, the clock does not need to stop. I agree. Ball yeah. spotted – Roll the clock. Let's play Let's football. Go. Yeah, and inside the, you know the final two minutes of each half. Yes, then to separate from the NFL and college, then you can stop the clock after first downs inside of two minutes of the first half and end of game. But that one needs to be done immediately. And I'll tell you another one, Freddie. And this is crazy. Okay, unless you intentionally clock the ball, right? Being a part of the XFL the last two weeks. I don't. I thought I would really have a problem with the clock running after an incomplete pass. Right. Not me. I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, get to it. I mean, let's go. I mean, we're, we're, we're you know, and we're having games now played in two hours and forty five minutes, two hours and fifty minutes, and you want to go the same route there where inside of two minutes, clock does stop on an incomplete pass. But anywhere in the game, if you want to clock the ball, mm-hmm. that that stops the clock, right? An intentional grounding, meaning meaning, not intentional grounding, but you know, hey, right. snap, you know what right. I mean? Just, yeah. you spike it's intentional right grounding. Yeah. It's just not yeah. called. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> that's that's. I'm good with that. But I really thought I was going to have a problem with it, and I and I, I, I really you, haven't no, I have you, no, I have not noticed it. Calling why, games, I have not noticed the clock running after incomplete passes. Why did you think you were going to have a problem with it? Eh, you know, just you know, the more traditional route, and you know, and you're, we're not used to it. But I, but again, mm-hmm. I can't emphasize this enough. I haven't noticed that the clock continues to run after an incomplete pass. Yeah. outside of two minutes. Believe me, there are plenty of purists out there when it comes to baseball speeding up the game, and but, the players are all for it. Yeah, so far the no, players say college well, football, and major league baseball are mm-hmm. finally coming around and going. All right, you know what? Yeah. We've got to figure out a way to keep people's attention and shorten no our doubt. product because I'm done calling four hour college football games. It's absurd. Yeah, and one of the things about that is if if you're going to have that for your product and your product is taking too long. Now college football is different. Football is just different. Even if it takes a little bit longer to play. No one's really making that much of an outcry about that. But Major League Baseball, they knew something was wrong. They knew it was a problem. 
Absolutely. So, yeah, so far this spring, there was an initial, oh, what are they doing? And now it's like, well, yeah, wait a minute, we can play a game in two hours and 45 minutes? We don't have to have human four-corner delay games anymore? All of a sudden now, you, you, make your sport, yeah, you, you make your sport quicker <laughs> because people talk about, well, baseball doesn't have a clock. Well, baseball didn't need one because guys weren't wasting time. <laughs> now, yeah, you need one. You need a kind of a, a curfew clock on it because guys are taking too much. Throwing over the first, stepping out of the box, stepping up the pitcher's mound, all those kind of things. So any purist out there says this is bad for baseball, you're probably saying people saying the wild card was better, bad for baseball. That turned out okay for Major League Baseball. Yeah, and you're looking at a guy at first who I, I, I despised the thought of expanding postseason baseball. I was wrong. I'm also a guy who was really adamant against having a guy start at second base mm-hmm. in extra innings. Now I like it now. Mm-hmm. Be open to change and Shorting the product, especially in this day and age where you, this, this thing in your pocket or in the yeah. palm of your hand mm-hmm. can be remarkably distracting, even if you're at a game, mm-hmm. shorten a game, allow more wagering windows in different That's avenues true. where you can. That's true. And people are going to be more, not just fiscally, but emotionally mm-hmm. invested because they know they're not going to be there for four hours. Yeah, and, and for those who keep saying that Major League Baseball shouldn't mess with it because they're purists, Games were never like this until the 90s and 2000s. Thank you. Games never took this long where it felt like you could read War in Peace and the baseball game would last longer than that. That's not what baseball is supposed to be about. So they're going to do that to speed up the game. And also you can watch baseball a little bit longer and later as opposed to waiting until 11, 12 o'clock at night to watch it. How is that a bad thing? Not just for the sport, for anybody trying to consume it, whether it's Major League Baseball or college football. Ian Fitzsimmons and Freddie Coleman together. Thanks for joining us on Canty and Carlin. So Aaron Rodgers is no longer the Prince of Darkness. He's finally seen the light once again. But could that light involve a team that nobody saw coming? This is ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.